0: listening to audio from Community Bible Church. If you would like to find out more information about us, please visit us at cbcsavanna.com. And again, happy Mother's Day to all who are here. Um, we are going to kind of... It's not do If you're a guest of ours, what we typically do work through books of the Bible, and so we've been in the book of Exodus, and so we're going to leave uh, Exodus just for a week. We'll come back next week. I don't know if any of you read Exodus 19. It's not super Mother's Day-ish, okay? It's not very encouraging, so I didn't know if you wanted me to like, you know blast everybody with uh, Exodus 19 and have a good Mother's Day. Here's what it says, you know, kind of thing. So um, we're gonna gonna come back to that next. It's maybe a Father's Day message. We can hammer the dads. It's not, we, don't, we don't wanna honor the moms. And so, you know, it's something about how God has wired men and women, right? God has made all mankind in his image, male and female he made of them, in the image of God, he made them, right? And so, but there's something how God has wired men and women differently. There's, there's equality. There's uniqueness and distinctness. And it's, it's part of God's beautiful plan. It's how he moves and it's what he's doing. But I think that is the way God has wired uh, moms is moms give advice. That's, that's how God has wired you. God has uh, created you that way. Uh, it doesn't matter if your kids are, are six months old or if they're 60 years old, uh, Moms give advice. My mom, she'll come to town, she'll still give advice. She'll say, Billy, you need to do this, or Billy, you should do this. She calls me Billy, you may not call me Billy. Uh, but that's, that's, and it's kind of like the Geica commercial. That's just what, this is what moms do because God has given you wisdom that men don't have. We're like, I don't know, I don't know, ask your mom. That's why we say that. Uh, and so moms give advice. And, and what I want to do today uh, on Mother's Day is I want to let some moms give advice. Um, I want them to speak, uh, and, and I want to look at a passage of scripture where God puts his spotlight on several ladies and says, this woman got it right. I want you to follow this woman's example. Listen to her. She speaks truth, all right? Because, again, God uh, has created everyone equally in his image and distinct, and so there is something valuable about listening to the voice of a mom. Right? There's something that we need that if, if we didn't need it, God wouldn't have provided it for us. And so we're going to look at some ladies who God says, follow her, listen to her, be encouraged by her because she walked by faith and she's trying to help you walk by faith. She's trying to encourage you to live a life that is pleasing because without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to listen to these moms. If these moms were here, if they could speak based on what's written about them, what would they tell CBC this Mother's Day? That's what we're gonna do today. And so we're gonna be in Hebrews chapter 11. And if you're unfamiliar with the book of, uh, the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11 is what we call the hall of fame of faith, where God kind of says, look at these folks. You know the hall of fame is. These guys are the ones that stood above. You know, these guys are the ones who hit 800 home runs or, or did this or did this. So God is gonna put a spotlight on these people and say, they did it right. Look at that. And he's going to celebrate and there's a list of men and women who god does and i want to look at four of the ladies and encourage you with it and, and here's what here's the temptation for us i know is that oh great we're going to hear about how these women were perfect and how they did everything right no that's that's not what we're going to hear we're going to actually see that they weren't perfect and they didn't get everything right because it's is why we can relate so well because if they did everything right had the perfect this and, they, and their house was on good housekeeping and their kids were perfect and everything was right then we wouldn't be encouraged because we were like, that's not me. But these folks had a past and they struggled and they made mistakes. And yet God says, I'm not looking at that. I'm looking at this. I'm looking at their faith. Well, I want you to see what their faith looked like and what it looked like lived out. And that's where we find encouragement. And that's where I want us to be today. All right. So Hebrews chapter 11, Um, and we're going to highlight these folks. I think it's important real, real quick to define what are we talking about when we're talking about faith in the first place? Right, uh, and so the, so the chapter begins with a working definition, which helps us. It says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. There's kind of two parts to that, right? It, it, it's the assurance of being sure, as the Greek word means. The New Living Translation says that, that shows the reality. It's confidence in that which you hope for. And hope is not, well, I hope so, well, I maybe Hope is something that you're sure of. So here's the key with faith. Your faith is only as good as the object you put your hope in. Period, end of story. You can have a lot of faith, right? But the object of your faith, if it's not reliable, if it's not worthy of your, of your faith, it's worthless. So I've used this illustration before, but I think it's helpful, especially to encourage you because it's early in the season. If your hope is in the Braves winning the World Series, you are wrong. It's not gonna happen. Now, my team's not gonna ha- win either, but at least we acknowledge that at the beginning of the season, we're not gonna win. You guys have hope till the end, and then you're devastated. Your faith is only as good as the object of your faith. So we hope in what? The hope is in God. Faith is a hope in God and it's a conviction of things not seen. God is not seen. You can see his works, you can see what he does, but you don't see him specifically. Our conviction and the word conviction there actually means to prove something. So faith is the the confidence, a hope in God who you cannot see that changes my life, that I prove as I live it out. That's what these folks are going to be honored for. They hoped in God who they did not see and it changes their life that's faith there's a works aspect to it because i believe it works and that's the whole book of james you can read that later but let's look and let's listen to what these ladies based on what what god highlights about them what would they tell you this morning let's look at the first one her name is sarah very famous uh person in the scriptures uh, her story Uh, It's found in verse 11, it's summarized. Let me give you the big picture of her story for those of you who don't know it. She's 65 years old, her husband is 75 years old and they have no children, which is, is devastating to them. God shows up when Abraham is 75, that's her husband, and says, you're gonna be the father of many nations and you all the nations are gonna be blessed. It's gonna be awesome. You're gonna have so many descendants, you can't count them. And they're like, we don't even have a kid, right? 65 and 75, here's the problem. A year goes by and then another and then another and another, and another, and another, and another. 24 years go by and nothing. And 65 plus 24 is 89. So when she is 89 and Abraham is 99, God shows up one day and says to Abraham, next year you're gonna have a boy. And Sarah is in the tent doing something and she hears the angel tell Abraham that. She laughs, Are you kidding me? I'm 89, I can't even get out of bed and you think I'm gonna have a baby. And then God says, why is Sarah laughing in the tent? And Sarah comes out and says, I wasn't laughing. And God says, oh, but you were laughing, right? Okay, here's what I love about that story. Does Sarah seem like she has strong faith? Is she laughing at what God has said? Does she doubt? that this is even possible? Did she, if you read before, try to get her husband to have a child with another lady so that they could get around and get get God's promise in her way? Absolutely she did. She has, her faith is a wreck, right? But yet it says back in Hebrews, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age. Why? Here's the key. Since she considered him faithful who had promised. See, she struggles, she's wrestling, but at some point she says, okay, God just read my mind and heard me laugh under my breath in the tent. I'm gonna put my faith in him. It doesn't make any sense. I'm 89, I, I got arthritis and I, you know, I got all these things, but I trust God. And because she does, she receives power to conceive. And look what verse 12 says. Therefore, Again, remember, whenever you see therefore, you ask what the therefore is therefore, therefore links back. Because she was she considered him faithful, who had promised because of that from one man, and I love this statement, and him as good as dead. Abraham is as good as dead. He's weakened at Bernie's over there, he is out. But because of her faith, remember, it's not Abraham's faith. Abraham has faith too. But why was she able to conceive? Because of her faith. And because of her faith, a guy that's as good as dead is able to give her a baby and the descendants are as many as the stars of heaven and innumerable as grains of seashore. Because we know how it works. Abraham and Sarah have Isaac. His name, Yitzhak, means funny boy, means laughter because she laughed in the tent. Isaac has Jacob, whose name is changed to Israel. Israel has 12 sons, Judah, Simeon, Levi, Gad, all these guys. Judah has David. David has Mary, the mother of the Messiah. You know how it ends. Why? Because of one woman's struggling, wrestling, doubting at times, faith. And yet God, Jesus tells us, how much faith do you need to have to, to move a mountain? It's a mustard seed. It's not the size of your faith, it's the object of your faith. She believes God and she's able to have to get it. If Sarah was standing here this morning, Mama Sarah, she was gonna t- give advice to CBC, here's what she would say, very simply. She'd y'all, Take God at his word. Take God at his word. If he says it, it's true. If he promises it, it will happen. Trust him. Even if it's hard, trust him. And here's why I I constantly remind you, this is why the enemy always attacks the word of God. From Genesis three till today, the enemy always has been saying, did God really say? Which is why we need to know the word and we need to meditate it and you need to memorize passages and you need to read it and you need to renew your mind with it because Psalm one says, who's the blessed person? This person who delights in the law of the Lord and his law, he meditates day and night and he and she will be like a tree planted by rivers of water. He and she will bear fruit in its season. He and she's leaf will not wither. He and she will, whatever they do, they will prosper. Romans 12 two, do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may know what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. That's why when we gather, we don't gather to hear Bill Fowler, Ramble On About the 80s. I could tell you why I think Red Dawn is the greatest movie of all time. I could argue that. I could argue uh, all sorts of things and give you all sorts of 80s trivia and tell you this. And t- but that doesn't, make, that doesn't make a difference. Right? It is the word of God that is living and active that is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is scripture that is inspired by God. It is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness that the man and woman of God may be adequate, that you will be equipped for every good work. And I tell you this because in my short lifetime, and it's, it's, you know, I'm only 47 years old, but at this point in our culture, I have never, in my short lifetime, I know it's gotten worse and better at times, but I have never seen such a celebration and an opposition to the things of God in our culture that I have today. Now, it may get better, it may get worse. I'm not saying, I mean, I'm not one of those, oh my goodness, it's never been this bad. Read the first century Rome, it was bad, okay? So I'm not saying it's the worst ever. I'm just saying in my lifetime, The art culture celebrates what God calls wicked more than I've ever seen in my life, right? Uh, And and if Sarah was here, what she would say to you is this, young people, I know everyone's cheating in high school and on their tests. I know everyone's sleeping around. I know everyone's trying drugs and trying alcohol. I know all these things. I know, know everybody says it's fine, it's normal. That's what teenagers do. They lie to their parents. They do this, they do this. I know that's what everyone does. Let me tell you, that leads to death. And Sarah would say, Take God at his word. Trust what he has said. Singles, I know everyone's living together before marriage. I know everyone's doing this. They're having a few too many in the weekend. They're getting in consumer debt so much that they can't even sleep at night. Yeah, this, here's, what, here's what God says. That immorality and impurity and, and covetousness must not even be named amongst God's people. And I know you got professors and teachers and newspapers and media and all social media that tell you that that you can identify as whatever you want. And you can do whatever you want. And truth is whatever you want. Let me me tell you what Jesus says. Jesus says, sanctify my people in truth. And your word, Father, is truth. That's what he says. And and so the idea uh, that we would just kind of do our own thing and not take out his word. Sarah would say, no, no, no. God gives direction for every area of your life. You're struggling with something that you feel is overwhelming, some addiction, some whatever that you've been in for three years and you feel like there's no hope, there's no way I'll ever get out of it. The scripture says, no, no, no. There is no temptation that has overtaken you. But such as it's common to man. It's, it's not new to you. Now, it doesn't mean it's easy, but God is faithful. He will provide a way of escape also that you can endure it. God speaks to conflict in your marriage and your, with your kids, with your boss, with your roommate. He says, hey, a soft answer, that will turn away wrath. What if they, they hurt me? What if they done me wrong? Well, you'd be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. That's not easy. I agree. But the scripture speaks to these things. You feel overwhelmed with your bills, overwhelmed with my college loans, overwhelmed with anxiety and all these things. God says, look, I know you need your clothes. I know you need your food. You seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. I'll feed you. I feed the birds. I clothe the lilies. God speaks to everything we need. And we just have to take him at his word. And that's what Sarah would say. Take him at his word and then follow. Because it's not just enough to believe, it's to act. These people acted on their faith. So for Sarah, who is struggling and doubting, and she's already tried to manipulate God, and God read her mind and heard her laugh under her breath, and and she says, well, I'm gonna trust him. And if if I'm 89 and he says I'm gonna be pregnant, I better get the nursery ready. And so the question for us is, what would the nursery be for you today? Where God has spoke, God has led, What would that look like for you? Maybe going and and doing this where I've been doing this. I don't know. But Sarah would say, look, it's okay if you wrestle. It's okay if you struggle. It's okay if you have doubts, but take God of this word. He doesn't lie and it will be true. That's the first one. Let's look at the second one. Verse 23. And we've been living in this for the last couple months. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict so we remember this right moses is born pharaoh says all the boys are killed the names are not mentioned here but we know from exodus that moses's parents were amram and jochebed and so we're talking specifically about jochebed this morning she is moses's mama and the text says that the reason why they kept him alive is because they saw he was a beautiful child there's a lot of debate on what that means we're not actually 100 percent sure it's a little ambiguous. So we know it cannot be that they're like, well, this child is more handsome than his brother. We should have gotten rid of him. We should we kept this one. This is the good one, right? We should have thrown out Aaron. He was, you know, ugly. Uh, it, it can't just be that he, they think he's handsome because everybody thinks their kid is beautiful, right? Everybody thinks their kid should be on the Gurger baby, you know, bottle. So it's not just that. Some suggested that God had told them, your son's gonna be delivered. That's possible. It doesn't say that, but it's, it's in the realm of possibility. Others have said that they sensed something special about Moses that was unique, and so they hit him. That's possible. Others have suggested, and I think this, this is where I would land, is that because the Hebrew word says that he was a to- he was tov, which just means good, literally, that they, they know that God gives birth, God gives children, it's a blessing, it is good. And so because it's good, they're not going to obey. It, it doesn't really matter the why, the, the, the what is what matters. Because they disobeyed the king's edict, their lives are now in danger. That's the point, right? They risked it all because they knew it was good and God is good and they left the results to him. They were willing to trust him. And here's what Jochebed would say to us, okay? And this is the challenging one. This is probably, Jochebed's probably that mom that's like a little bit firmer. She's like, this, you need to listen to this. Jochebed would say, you need to follow God without fear. You need to follow God no matter what the results. You don't know what's going to happen. Famous Robert Frost poem, two roads divulged in a wood. And I chose the one less traveled and that made all the difference. You're gonna to come to a point in your life where there's two roads. There's the I-95 that everyone's going down and it's super easy and there's the one that's kind of small and narrow and it looks a little bit dangerous and you don't know what's gonna around the corner there uh, and you're gonna to have to choose and sometimes you're gonna to have to take that less narrow, that less traveled path, which makes all the difference, but it's gonna be costly. Because like, if you walk with God, high schooler, college student, young adult, you walk with God, you're gonna to have to make decisions at some point. They're gonna break off and it may cost you a friend. A boyfriend, a girlfriend. If you uh, keep uh, uh, the books accurately, if you have integrity at your office when your supervisor doesn't want you to, or you off, you're just, you're run your business above board and this guy over here, your competitor does not, you may lose the contract. It might cost, right? You may, as a Christian should, own a mistake that you made at your office that might cost you your job or at least will cost the trust of your boss and maybe your reputation or you come clean to your parents. Hey, you need to know that this has been going on and I just wanted to let you know because I've been struggling or your spouse or whatever it is. You do that. There's some fear there because you don't know what they're gonna say. You don't know how they're gonna respond. Jacob would say, you never have to be afraid to obey God. You never. Psalm says, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The writer of Hebrews says, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You feel like this habit, this addiction that I got, if I stop, which I want to, but what is, I've been feeding my soul with this for years. What is that gonna do to me? I don't know what what that, I tell my my parents. My parents have been, since I was two years old, that they wanted me to be a doctor. So I've been on the doctor path and I feel like God wants me to be a teacher. Right? And I feel like I, kids gravitate me to me and I love them and I don't really care about the doctor salary. He, so you don't have to fear to go to your dad and say, Dad, I love you. You know that child that you want to be a doctor? You're going to have to adopt him <laughs> because I'm going to be a teacher. You don't have to fear if God is leading you in that direction because you may feel like you're going to be alone, but you will never be alone. All right? This is why Jesus, his apostles, after he ascends into heaven and the spirit comes, I mean, these guys were cowards and weak sauce for so long. And then they get thrown in prison one day for preaching. An angel sets them free and you would think, okay, it's time to scatter. What they do is they go right back to the place that they were arrested and start preaching again. And they're retaken. And the Pharisee's like, we told you to stop. And they're like, sorry, y'all, we gotta obey God rather than man. It's trusting God and leaving the results to him. And Jacob would say, look what God did. Look what Moses did. Look what happened when we trusted God, all right? So follow God without fear. Whose approval means more, God's or your fraternity, your parents? Whose power is mighty, your, your boss or the one who spoke the galaxies into existence, right? Whose who's mightier? who's stronger, the government or almighty God who will rule with a rod of iron, Psalm 2? You can trust God. He is good. That's what Sarah would say. You can follow him even without fear. That's what Jochebed would say. Let's look at the next one, verse 31. Look at old Rahab, famous to some of us. Some of us maybe don't know her story. It says, by faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient. Why? Because she had given friendly welcome to the spies. So here's a lady who has had a rough upbringing, right? She's born a Gentile in a in sin city. She's chosen a sin city position, Right, she's a prostitute in Jericho. Talk about darkness and devastation to your soul. That's where she lives, right? But it says she didn't perish with those who were disobedient. Her story is Joshua sends spies into the land. Jericho is the first place Israel is gonna conquer. They go into Jericho. They somehow end up at her house. She hides them. And she misdirects the Jericho police and say, oh, I saw them, they went that way. And they go and they chase that way. And she hides them uh, and gave them a friendly Response, And you say, why would she do that? I mean, this is the enemy. They've come to destroy. She tells us, before the men lay down, she came up on the roof and said, I know the Lord has given you the land. You do, how do you know that? The, the fear of, of you has fallen on us notice the plural now it was i but now it's plural all the inhabitants of land melt before you we we've heard how the lord dried up the water of the red sea which took place 40 years earlier by the way it wasn't like last week that's 40 years earlier we heard about the red sea we heard what you did to the two kings of the amorites who were beyond the jordan to those two guys uh and as soon as we heard it our hearts again plural there was no spirit left in any man because of you why because the lord your god is god She says, we all heard about this, 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 and this. Here's the difference. They all heard it. They're all afraid. They're all scared. But she individually comes to the conclusion, he is God, right? This this is God. And so what she does because she believes is she casts herself on the mercy and grace of Yahweh and she finds it. She says, please save me. Please save me. See, that's why the writer in Hebrews says that she didn't perish with those who were disobedient. They're all continued. They heard about God and they know he's God, but they continue to run this way. She says, I'm doing a 180. I'm running and casting myself on the mercy of Yahweh. And she finds mercy. And you know what happens? God radically changed her life. I mean, it's, it's a 180 in her life, Right? She, she changes and she has, finds a newness as she comes into the Hebrew community. She is saved when Jericho falls. Her family, member she puts a red scarlet cord in her window and everybody in the house is saved. Sounds a lot like the 10th plague where they cover the blood on the door and everyone inside is saved. But do you know what happens to her after she is saved? Her story is so great. She lives her life. She's living in Israel. She meets herself a Hebrew honey. Named Salmon, like the fish. Maybe he was unmarried because he smelled like a fish. I don't know. But she marries Salmon. Salmon has a little baby boy with, with Rahab, and they call him Boaz. And Boaz has a nice little son, and they call him Obed. And Boaz, and Obed has a nice little son, and they call him Jesse. And then Jesse has several sons. The youngest one, the best one, the short one, his name is David. And he is the king, the best king Israel ever had. And he has sons and has sons and has sons and has sons. Eventually has Mary, who becomes the, the mother of the king of kings. But you see, you see what happened there? She goes from darkness and a, a life of prostitution and just emptiness, and God completely redeems her, and she becomes the great-great-grandmother of the king of Israel. See, that's what God does. And if Rahab was here this morning, here's what she would say to you. Do not let your past limit your future. Do not let your past mistakes limit your future. Because you know what my great-great-great-grandson once wrote? As far as the east is from the west, so far Has he removed your transgressions from you? Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be whiter than snow. That's what God did for me. His mercy is vast. His love is great. His grace is everlasting. Do not let your past limit your future. And so many, I think, if we're honest, you come into this room with guilt shame for something that you haven't mentioned in 20 years that no one else knows about and you're you're thinking about that, that relationship back in college that was a train wreck that maybe that you're on your third marriage maybe it's an abortion maybe it's a bankruptcy maybe it's a DUI that no one knows about and you just feel guilt maybe it's financial blunders you stole you I don't know what it is I don't, it doesn't really matter because what Rahab would say is you lay that down at the foot of the cross because that's what I did Rahab sins were paid for by Jesus who was her great 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 grandson and your sins are paid for by the same by Jesus and so she would say run to him he says, come to me, all who are weary, heavy laden. I will give you rest. Stop running to your functional saviors. Haven't you had enough of your functional saviors? Uh, your alcohol, your, your prescription meds, your, your Amazon therapy, you're your running to food, you're running to Netflix and binging 20 hours. These things will not satisfy. Try the bread of life. That's what she would tell you. Because when you are, if any man is in Christ, he is a what? She is a what? New creation things are gone. So when God sees you, you need, to, you need to be reminded of this. Some of you need to just need to wash this over because you've had a bad week, you've had a bad year. You've had a, when God the Father sees you, his child, when you are in Christ, he doesn't see that you were that fill in the blank. I was the alcoholic. I was the abusive dad. I was the, he doesn't see that. What God the Father sees when you are in Christ, when he looks at you, he sees Christ. He sees his perfection. He sees his holiness. Right? That's why he can call you a son and a daughter because the work of Christ is sufficient. So you need to stop living in your guilt and your shame and stop letting your past dictate your future. Right? That's what Rahab would tell you. Sarah would say, walk by faith by, by trusting in God's word. Jacob would say, do it without fear. Rahab would say, hey, trust in what God has done for you. Don't let your past limit your future. And there's one more. One more. Verse 35 this is probably the one that's most obscure for some of us. It's first short. It says, women receive back their dead by resurrection. Doesn't name them, but we know there's more than one. Women, not women, right? So what's he talking about there? Two stories, one in 1 Kings, one in 2 Kings, both related. Let me tell you that, I'll tell you the 2 Kings one. We don't know her name. Uh, she's only even called in 2 Kings the Shunammite, which, it's just the city she's from. So it's like, if you're from Boston, you're like the Bostonite, or you're from Pooler, you're the Poolerite. You know, you're from Garden City, you're the Garden Cityite, whatever. That's, that's the idea. We don't know who she is. Here's what we know. She was married, and her her and her husband were, were fa- fairly well-to-do. They had some money, but they didn't have any kids. And so they, they loved the prophet Elisha. They loved his teaching. They just wanted to honor him. So they, said, they told Elisha, Elisha, we're gonna build you a garage apartment. In essence, a garage apartment. Uh, Anytime you come through town, you stay with us. Don't stay at the Motel 6. You stay with us. We'll feed you. You can crash here anytime. This is your place. You use it whenever you want, Elisha. Our garage apartment is your garage apartment. And so he does. He comes. Every time he comes through town, he stays there. He loves his family. He hangs out with them. He eats with them. At one point, Elisha says to them, y'all have been so kind to us. What can we do? What do you want? Can we do something for you? Can we, you know, can we get you something? You know, you need some rugs. You need some towels. What do you need? And they say, no, we're fine, we are great, we, we're content, we're happy, we don't need anything. So Elisha goes to his servant and says, man, we need to do something. What should we do, Gehazi? Gehazi's his name. Gehazi, what should we do for them? She says, well, he's an old man and she doesn't have a son. He's like, that's an idea. Maybe we should ask them if they want kids first. But no, I think that's good. So he goes to the lady and says, congratulations, it's a boy. And she says, do not lie to me. She said, she said that, do not, don't lie to me, right? Because she's older and he's older. He says, next time, this, this time next year, you're gonna have a son. Sure enough, she has a son. He goes up, becomes a teenager, goes to work with dad one day. He goes, dad, my head is killing me. He said, dad says, go home, just go lay down, take a nap. He goes home and he dies in the arms of his mom. Right there. She takes him up to Elisha's bed, puts him on the bed, Tells her husband, honey, I need to go see Elisha quick. Can you get the fastest camel, get the fastest servant? He's like, why, what's wrong? It's not, it's not a Sabbath, it's not a new moon. She says, it's okay. She usually literally says, shalom, peace. She doesn't tell him her son is dead. Doesn't tell dad. She said, I need to go see Elisha real quick. I need to get there fast. Everything okay? Oh, it's fine, peace. So she goes off. Elisha's on the mountain. Gehazi is servant. They see her coming. He says, Gehazi, go check it out. The Shunammite's coming. Why would she come? I don't know. And Gehazi goes, says, everything okay? She says, peace, everything's great. Gets to Elisha's feet, falls on, his, on her face and, and says, uh, caught, catches his feet and he's and like, no, no, you can't do that, he's a prophet. But the man of God said, leave her alone. She's in bitter distress. The Lord has hidden from me, not told me. She said, did I ask my Lord for a son? Didn't I say, don't deceive me? Why would God give me this child and then take this child away? So Elisha heads for her house he comes into the house, sees the child laying dead on the bed. He went in. He shuts the door behind the two of them. They prayed to the Lord. It gets a little kind of strange here. He goes up, lays on the child, puts his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands, Stretches himself out of the flesh. The child becomes warm. Then he got up again, walked back and forth in the house, went up, stretched himself upon him again. The child sneezed seven times like Gardner, right? Got allergies? I don't know. And the child opened his eyes. And he summoned Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite. So he called her and they came to him and said, pick up your son. She came and fell at his feet, bowing to the ground. She picked up her son and went out. So that's what it means when women receive back their dead by resurrection. You think, there's a lot of strange things there. Here's the strangest thing. Why doesn't she tell her husband that her son's dead? And why does she run to Elisha? Here's why. Because even in the darkest moment in her life, she still has a little hope. She's got some sort of hope that Elisha will be able to do something. Why would she ever come up with that idea? Because Elisha's mentor was named Elijah. Elijah did the same exact thing for a widow in Zarephath. And so she's got some hope. God can do something. I don't know if he will. I don't know if he does, but he can do something. So she rushes to Elisha and sure enough, God answers. And if the Shunammite was here this morning, here's what she would tell you. Even in the darkest of times, never lose hope. Never give up. Right? Because God, God can do. Anything, does that mean God does miracles It's for everybody that asks? No, does that mean we can just kind of sow a seed? And I'm I'm not saying that, I'm not saying name it and claim it, I'm not saying, you know, God has a miracle for, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is God is a mighty God and you never know what he could do or may do. Paul says that he does beyond what we can ask or think. And so if that is true, then it is true now and he can do whatever he wants. Do you think it was challenging for him to make an 89 year old woman pregnant? No, challenging for her not for him you think it's hard for him to bring someone back from the dead he's the one who created out of the dust no you don't know what god will do and so the shunammite would say never lose hope you've been praying for 20 years for that kid and and you feel like there's there's he's never going to come back he's he's wayward do not lose hope you've been praying for years for your husband do not lose hope you feel like the, it's, the, the relationship is too beyond. It's too fractured. You feel like the debt is too big. The anxiety is too heavy. The depression is too deep. The whatever is too whatever. It is never too much for God. That is what the Shunammite would tell you. Do not lose hope. He is a mighty God. And he is greater than anything we could face. Remember, at the most helpless time in all of human history, The son of God on a cross all seemed hopeless until Sunday morning, until the resurrection. And now all is fulfilled. All is victorious. God hasn't answered your prayer. Keep praying, keep knocking, keep seeking. That's what Jesus says. Romans 13, 12, you know it says, I love it. It's just a little verse, but it says, the day is almost here. The night is almost over. It's it's that moment before, before dawn. So keep running, keep enduring, keep asking. Never stop believing. That's what the Shunammite would tell you. And that's how the chapter 11 closes. Really chapter 12, the first two verses are part of chapter 11. The writer of Hebrews says, therefore, since we have such a great crowd of witnesses, since we have Sarah and Jacobed and Rahab and the Shunammite and all the others, lay aside your weights, the sin that entangles you, and run with endurance. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's keep going, keep running, keep enduring, keep hoping, keep believing. That's what he's saying, right? Great motherly advice from these four ladies. Better than eat your veggies, although that's good. Tuck in your shirt, wear deodorant. Also true, also good. Please do them. But here's what what these moms would say. Sarah would say take God in his word. He keeps his promises. Jochebed would say, you can trust God even in, in, in when you're afraid. Follow without fear. Rahab would say, do not let your past limit your future. And the Shunammite would say, you always keep the faith. You always press on. You never lose hope because God is a mighty God. And don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe you needed to hear that God uh, is a God who washes away our past maybe you needed to hear that not give up hope i don't know but if you would like one of us to pray for you again our prayer team is in the back hall they would love to pray with you pray for you uh just to be there um to be able to go before god on your behalf uh and so please if that's something you would like just please do that today why don't you stand in while will pray and we'll just sing and respond father thank you for uh these godly women who point us to not their perfect lives, but a perfect God. They trusted you, they believed in you, uh, and even though they failed in so many ways, you say this is this is what the life of faith looks like, and that gives us hope because we're all uh, broken and we all fail. And so I pray whether it's we need to be reminded that you are truthful, or if we need to be reminded that um, so we can follow you and trust you in, in hard circumstances, whether we need to be reminded that you have washed away our sin, or you just need to be reminded that you are great even in the darkest places. Whatever it is, Lord, your spirit knows. And so I just pray you would apply that to each one of our souls. Uh, In Christ's name I pray.